2017. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hessenflow. <laughs> Just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. And if you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. Today, June 6th, is the anniversary of D-Day. June 6th, 1944 was uh, that invasion of Normandy. And uh, if you if you remember watching maybe Saving Private Ryan, which is probably the most vivid portrayal of that invasion, mm-hmm that I'm aware of, that was just, I mean, such a touching, touching event. Uh, there's a story I, I like to tell a little bit about it where I had, uh, I go, I went to it. I moved to Chicago right around that time. And my buddy's uh, brother just got back from Marine um, basic training there. So he's all puffed up and he's just ready. I mean, he's, he's on his mission. He's, he's a young literally guy. gung-ho. Okay, so he wants to go see it and I want to go see it. So we go see it. And then all around us, it's just uh, the sea of uh, silver hair guys mm-hmm. and their wives. And they were the young kids that were there. Right. Or, or many of them were there. Or, or, or whatever campaign they were part of. Right. And the tears that were rolling down their eyes, the number of people who had to stand up and walk out of the theater, because those first few minutes are so intense. Brutal. Well, the image of war. Well, and, and you got to see the chaos that was going on around it, and you really got to see sort of what modern war, you know, modern war may have started back in the Civil War, uh, but this was really, um, uh, you know, a, a good portrayal of that as best we can. You, this is uh, just a, uh, the sacrifice that that they made to free Europe to basically push back Germany was it was incredible during this time, and this is a. Um, this is D-Day today. Yeah, it's a day to remember. And we, we thank all of those soldiers who sacrificed so much, not just in this particular piece, but all throughout history. Well, there's only so many of them left. I want to say there's less than 10,000 of these um, these veterans left. Mm-hmm. So. Time moves forward. That That is for sure. Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. It's summertime, and I am watching, I'm watching movies, which is nice. I'm watching baseball movies. You're watching baseball movies. What's your, what's your number one? What's your baseball movie? Well, um, I, I, I like the Bad News Bears. I love the Bad News Bears. I, I love the fi- Field of Dreams. I even like the remake of the Bad News Bears, which was not a great film, but it was still a lot of fun. We had uh, Walter Matthau drinking beer the whole time. <laughs> drinking, Hand, for, handing beers out to the kids. Oh, and they're cursing the whole time. Oh. <laughs> It's adorable. Uh, that whole series. Uh, anyway, um, but I really, I would have to go with Bull Durham. Yeah. Bull Durham is, is a great film. Nuke. The, Susan Sarandon. Nuke. That's the name of the pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> how, about, how about Major League? Did you like Major League? Eh, it's all it's right. It's silly. It's, it's a silly comedy. I, I love the cliches. As yeah. uh, Kevin Costner is interviewing Nuke for uh, to prepare him for the big leagues. Yeah. I'm just glad to be here. I hope I can help the team. The guy goes, this is boring. Yeah. Of course it's boring. Run it down. <laughs> it's supposed to be boring. This is not what you're here for. You're here to play baseball. Women are weary. They're not hairy. <laughs> I got a chance to see one of those classic wow. baseball movies this week. I saw The Sandlot from 1993. No, that's a very good movie. That's a classic. So why did you end up watching that one? Okay, here's the long story. My 11-year-old has a shirt with a picture of the catcher from The Sandlot with the words, I'm, you're killing me, Smalls, the classic line from Sandlot. He wears this shirt out, and people walk up to him and go, oh, The Sandlot, don't you love that movie? And my 11-year-old, up until this week, has always said, I've never seen this movie. 
I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so he, you watched it with your son, which is this is the perfect age. This is this so, is the time. This is baseball season. This is baseball but, but, age. But he, but it's the age uh, that that these boys are. That's that, right. You know, you're, you're dealing with uh, you know a seventh or eighth grader. Mm-hmm. Um, right around that time, 6th, 7th, 8th. Yeah, the idea of summer. And what are you going to do for the summer? Are you going to sit in the house and play video games with your thumbs? Or are you going to get out there, find a sandlot, find a bunch of buddies, and, and hit the ball around for a while? Oh, have fun. That's where we're at right now, especially with the 11-year-old. You, sandlot is a fun movie. You get out there. get Go outside, where, where did, kids. Where did you watch Sandlot? I actually bought a copy on Amazon for ten bucks because I I knew that we would watch it again later. Okay, so it was an investment. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's using these quote lines. Um, investment. Well, okay. I, I buy a lot of movies. Let's put it that way. You got a chance to see the Wizard of Lies. This one's on HBO. What's that one about? This is uh, about Bernie Madoff. So uh, if you remember, uh, two weeks ago I had listened to a podcast called. Ponzi Supernova. That's right. And it, it went through the Bernie Madoff story. Uh, the gentleman had interviewed, he had three hours worth of interviews of Bernie Madoff while he's in prison in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And he built a, uh, basically a three hour podcast around it. Okay. So, uh, this is the uh, dramatization of that. Um, With Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh boy. And this was based off a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's playing on, um, uh, HBO right now. And so with my DirecTV and my uh, phone service, I end up getting free HBO now, I guess. And so you're utilizing it as much as you can, I think. Yeah, I'm discovering it. I'm discovering what I like about it, which I, I like the on-demand part of mm-hmm. it. What I don't like about it is, you know, basically going to the station and seeing the same movies over and over again. Oh, yeah. But anyway, this is the, the latest one. This is worthy of your time, if, especially if you have interest in this story like I did. Now, Bernie Madoff, through the Ponzi scheme that was his investment company, had uh, basically embezzled or stolen uh, $65 billion. Dollars crazy. From his clients. Now, the mats were sold from this. There were people who committed suicide. His uh, one child uh, had the cancer return, which could have been the stress of it. Mm-hmm. The other one killed him, uh, killed himself. Yeah. Um, and Bernie was a fraudster. He was fraud from the beginning one. Um, and this is that story. So we don't, we don't go back to the sixties when he first set up his place. We, we really are coming right around the time the FBI are coming in. They're going to arrest him. Um, there's this, uh, scene where they, he, they come to his home to arrest him. He's got to take his shoelaces out. He's got to take his belt off and stuff like that. You have, when you go to prison, mm-hmm. you are just, um, you, 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 can't, you can't have anything, no, no ties or anything right. like that. Um, I, I enjoyed this. This is, gives you some of the background of this. You get to see the type of wealth um, that was going on. You also get a feeling for the pressures he was under because if somebody was going to withdraw money, mm-hmm. he had to have money coming in. And there is a, a nice scene where he's working with someone who wants to be invest with Bernie. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, well, I have a hundred million dollars, and Bernie's like, well, I I can't put you in front of my other clients. Uh, it's a closed fund, which right. basically means that they have they have all the investors they need is when they use that term, closed fund. Um, anyway, it, it keeps going. Well, what about two hundred million? Well, you know, I, I still can't do it. The guy ends up going, I think, up to four or five hundred million dollars. Wow. Four or five hundred million dollars. Because that's what Bernie needed to pay out somebody else. Correct. On the other side. Correct. They, Out the they, back door. That's right. 
And uh, as always, uh, this is you, you can't believe this happened, mm-hmm. but it did happen. It did. Uh, they've got a great cast in this. I think they wrote it pretty well. I wonder if this is going to cloud my um, view of this. I want to read a book on this, and not not this book. I, I really want to read much more of an academic um, look at this. Okay, uh, because this is just a fascinating story. How could this happen? And um, maybe how we can prevent it from happening again, too. Well, I think be a little bit smarter in our investments. I I, I would be surprised if it could happen again, Mm -hmm. but nothing surprises me. The other thing that you got a chance to see on HBO is called Section 60, the Arlington National Cemetery. This is this is a really sad, sad story here. All right. So this is where um, if you were a military person who passed away. Um, and you would serve most likely in Afghanistan or in Iraq or mm-hmm. something like that. So this is a uh, re- relatively current. While this is this film uh, was uh, came out in two thousand and eight, these are relatively uh, current people who've passed away. We're going to Arlington Cemetery, and this is if you've if you've been to Washington D.C. to Arlington mm-hmm. Cemetery, it's just line and lines of of white marble grave sites for our you know basically the, it's supposed to be our most sacred land right um so anyway these are the this is a story of of the people who go visit those some of the pomp and circumstances that go through a um a funeral um ceremony and um i mean the whole time you're watching this you can't help but well up multiple times through it there's this uh portrayal of this gentleman who was the father he's got his hand on the grave and he comes out and takes naps on top of his son's grave Mm -hmm. uh and just basically is sitting there this way of being with him another uh story is a, a brother who comes out he's got a couple beers um he's he's snapping up and he pours beer on the grave yeah, for his, having a drink with his brother. Having a, there's uh, moms who are coming out with their children. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the children have, have uh, drawn pictures for dad or for mom. Um, they they want to spend time with him. Right. Uh, the the one story was this: the the, the father was sent over before she was born mm-hmm. and passed away. I don't know if she ended up seeing um, if he ended up seeing his daughter. Um, so many, so many stories. Oh my goodness. And it just keeps going on and on and on. Um, there's another, one of the ones at the end was there, it's right around Christmas time and the daughters are placing candy canes with all the graves oh, around wow. them. Uh, it, it just, uh, what, what an interesting, interesting, um, review and, you know, Memorial Day was a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so the, just, just a beautiful review. Honoring of, all those who have served. Yeah. You get also just, if you've ever been to a military funeral and if you haven't, this is your opportunity to, to sort of see what goes in where the horse comes out, uh, mm-hmm. with, with the casket and the, the military, uh, service. Where they, they come and you don't get a twenty one gun salute in this, but but you get a lot of the other parts to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I do recommend this. Um, it's called Section sixty Arlington uh, National Cemetery, and absolutely uh, touching. And uh, you know if you ever get a chance to go to Arlington Cemetery and see the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, yeah. or the uh, changing of the guards, or even walk the field, I, I think that you will have a new type of appreciation of what it takes to be a soldier and what what, what people do at times. 
That's, that is that is a very sacred ground, as you said. Uh, you get a feeling when you get there. That's for sure. You, are you familiar with how Arlington Cemetery was was established? No. How was how was it established? It was established in the uh, Civil War, and uh, that was uh, Robert E. Lee's uh, family uh, plot. It was okay. his wife's uh, land. And uh, it, the reason it was taken away from them is because at the time that the war was going on, you had to come pay taxes for your land, which is right across from a bridge from Washington, D.C. And you have to show up in person. And so she was down in Richmond, and when she went up to uh, – she sent somebody to pay the taxes up in D.C., they would not accept them because it wasn't the owner of the land, so the land was taken over. Hmm. So, and, and what did Lincoln do? He buried the uh, Union – uh, dead on it so no one can say lincoln didn't hold a grudge at times <laughs> so as the union soldiers came back that was where he buried them that became the arlington the cemetery. national cemetery it is it huh. is so um there's always uh, something fascinating to learn about how we set things up there you go Opening this week, we've got some interesting movies. We've got The Mummy. Tom Cruise, Steve. Tom Cruise running from mummies. <laughs> well, um, I did you see, this is part of the, tell me about the Universal, um, they've got a universe that nobody really acknowledges <laughs> and nobody really watches, but this seems like the first one that I, I think I would have interest in seeing. Okay, let's back up a little bit. <laughs> Some of us watch the classic Universal monster movies. Well, we, we know Frankenstein, Dracula, The Mummy, The Wolfman, Correct. those classics that Universal still owns the rights to. No, but they, they came out with a new series of, of... So this is the next film in the new universe of those Universal monster movies. And this is the third. Correct. So we, we've had a Dracula one that came out maybe last year and then we had a frankenstein one correct that came out a couple years ago did you see either one of those no (laughs) i didn't either um so obviously this is working real well for them but but they went with big time actor here right this this one is the one that has the most promise of the three so far because they got tom cruise because you you love tom cruise when tom cruise when you finally get around to seeing his movies well that that's my joke is that (laughs) i I don't usually see tom cruise films in the theater but when i see him i go oh that was was a good movie tom cruise is a good actor i probably seen him that earlier He's going to be running somewhere at some point yeah. in this. And, and he, he is the action star, and this is the mummy. This is not the Brendan Fraser silly running from the mummy story. All right, so Tom Cruise runs. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt eats something. And gets and, angry. And then we have Tom Hanks pees at some point in his, in his films. Those are the things you always have to look for <laughs> okay. in their films. So pa- Tom Cruise will be running somewhere. Yes. Uh, and this looks scary. It does look scary. I think this is going to be a genuinely frightening movie. Ah, uh, well, anyway, this one looks actually really good. And this is kind of the big blockbuster for the for the week. For the week, yep. We also have a movie called The Hero. This is Sam Elliott and his wonderful voice. He's he's playing an ailing movie star who's coming to terms with life. After uh, serving uh, backup at the Double Deuce for a number of years. The Dude Abides. <laughs> well, I'm thinking more along the lines of Roadhouse. I was thinking more about, I was thinking more about the Big Lebowski. What a shock. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Sam Elliott, in his wonderful voice, is going to play this... Um, this this uh, I guess this star yeah who's coming to uh, terms with something yeah and this looks like it's going to be the when I say intellectual or the adult film <laughs> no no the grown up film the for the week film of the so, week so if you had to go and you said I'm not going to watch the mummy maybe the wife says I've got to have a little bit more to that 
Sam Elliott would be the one to go see. Yeah, Sam Elliott's wonderful. There's another movie coming out called Miles. This is a kid from middle America who wants desperately to move to Chicago, and in his desperation, he finds a plan. Oh, he does. This looks like a Richard Linkletter um, movie, but it's not. Okay. All right. And the premise of... All right, I'm going to... It stars Molly Shannon, by the way. Um, The premise of this is he joins a girls' volleyball team. Because that's the opportunity he has. They they didn't have a a boys' volleyball team. Right. And he's trying to get a scholarship to come to Chicago. And that's the reason why I picked this up, because, you know, everybody wants to come to Chicago, right? No kidding. (laughs) No doubt. So what we end up having here is this really odd story. Now, when I was growing up, we you know, on our soccer team, we we didn't have a a girls' soccer team in high school. Mm -hmm. So we actually had a couple of young ladies who were on our team. Nice. Um, I've never heard of a boy. Uh, competing on a girls' team, but seems reasonable. But, but it's yeah, well, well that's, that's part of the story. That's part of the story isn't is it? like, uh, is it fair? Anyway, mm-hmm. regardless, but this is looks like a dramedy, and I don't know who it's aimed for. It's just truly an independent. If you have interest, and look for it. There you go. That one's called Miles, and it's it's out there. You can, <laughs> you, you, you can you can go see. There's so many movies. There's so many great movies, and some that we'd never hear hear about. Brings us to our book at our book of the week. You have been continuing your study of D-Day. Today, again, is the anniversary of D-Day, and you read D-Day Through German Eyes, the hidden story of June 6, 1944. All right, there's a couple things I, I want to mention. I, a few years ago, I spent a lot of time kind of studying um, or experiencing World War II through books and, mm-hmm. and visuals. So, you know, Band of Brothers, The Pacific... Um, you know, uh, Saving Private Ryan would be the visuals of that, but I read some books and things of that nature. The other thing is that always go through, um, th- your Amazon store and look for Kindle specials because this was on special for two ninety nine, and I don't know about you, but three dollars seems pretty reasonable to read something that you go, oh, that looks kind of interesting. The value of that information. All right, so this is the story, not of the uh, the British and the American and the Canadian. Uh, this, these groups coming through. This is on the German side. Mm-hmm. Are these soldiers waiting? Waiting and at, at they, Normandy, and they knew something was going to happen, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't know when it was going to happen. Uh, everyone said how lucky they were to be to go to France and have to be you know set up in France because your alternative was to be on the Russian front where it's cold, 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 mm-hmm. or uh, you know it's just muddy and, and mucky and, and warm and. Anyway, you're fighting the Russians. Right. Uh, so everybody was like, oh, how lucky. Um, there, this was a mixed troop because when the Germans would end up taking over an area, if you swore allegiance to Germany, you could go, you could serve in the army. And this was, uh, or the military, and this was a place that you would end up serving. Uh, so we got this. So this is about 10, 12 um, interviews. With soldiers, sometimes you get officers, sometimes you get the enlisted people, and what they are they were expecting. A number of times they mentioned that this was very important because um, while they lost the the war, you you, you uh, could get an idea of what they were thinking, the propaganda that Germany was using with these soldiers and in that area was Mm -hmm. this was a united Europe and they were there to defend the united Europe. So uh, this was very deep and the author at the end is he kind of wraps it up. He even mentions that he has, this is, you you forget about how deep the propaganda to your own soldiers goes. 
um, you get uh, some stories of when they were taken prisoner of war. So they ended up going to prisoner of war camps. Uh, we, we, in our area, and in fact, the entire Midwest, there were lots of POW camps in the United States. And uh, usually these uh, gentlemen would end up coming over. Um, if they were not uh, an immediate threat or something like that, they'd eventually be offered, you can go out and work on the farm or go work, you know, one of the local uh, businesses. And then some of them don't leave. They, they liked it. But the, and many of these people ended up going to Britain and going to POW camps. And, and one gentleman, in fact, there's got to be a book that's written about this, mm-hmm. um, is that the Hitler youth that were prisoner of war there, they were still trying to rile things up. And they would create uh, sort of a real strange dynamic in the prisoner of war camp. Because if you didn't help them, mm. then you were basically, they, they were inside, they were, they were beating you up and, and taking advantage of you, um, even though it was a prisoner of war camp. Mm-hmm. Um, they usually are saying the British were very, uh, when you got captured, you got food, you got water, you were treated really well. If you tried to escape, they just shot you. Right. So, you know... It's very interesting, just sort of their experience. I mean, imagine just more than once in this book, they were describing the machines that were coming, these boats that were coming, and basically they were just continued to come. They were overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the amount of stuff that just kept, you know, these boats just kept coming, the people kept coming, and the, the Germans were still using horses at that time to move things around. Okay, the Sherman tanks were coming. They were dropping um, jeeps off. I mean, we, it was all mechanical on the on the United of, States side. The, the amount of fuel that was available to them that they could keep going, it was is it, it really was they were awestruck mm-hmm. at at those types of resources. And 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 from the American point of view, I mean, that was exactly what the United States ended, ended up providing is that we could build planes and we could build um, stuff. I mean, that, that's what GM and Ford and all these other companies were, were doing. They are just cranking this stuff out. Now, right. Not that the, the Britons were uh, – the United Kingdom wasn't doing the same thing. They were doing the same thing. But, right. but we really had the steel we needed. We had all the fuel we needed and stuff like that. There was an interesting story about a German soldier who they, – they were uh, beaten out of their – trench where they had these big guns and, and stuff and he was with all people who were fairly new to the military because eventually they would you know if you were a breathing person didn't matter what disability you had you were part of their army these kids were, were scared of course um but he ended up going back and he ended up running into ultimately with these ss people and he was awestruck at how confident the um the ss uh group was and they had um i don't know they had something some kind of tank or something that they had put you know leaves all over to camouflage and they ended up taking out a sherman tank um well that didn't last very long because there was plenty of them coming behind but anyway they, but they did destroy the sherman tank they, they destroyed one yeah and and, and uh, they were also awestruck because the tanks that were originally coming on had uh, they they had some um, amphibious quality to it and the ability that they could come out and they were just like what what what's going on here we weren't prepared for these yeah um, oh I, I tell you what I I really enjoyed this so much the interviews like I said they they felt they were real important for to have a, an idea of what happened perspective uh, from all points of view yeah and I I absolutely um, 
I absolutely enjoyed this. So I, I encourage you to, one, if you have interest in this, this would be a, 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 these people are dying off just like the other soldiers are dying off. Getting their stories and getting their perspective is, is pretty interesting. And the other part about it is if you have interest in Kindle, but you don't want to spend a lot of money, look around. There's plenty of these books that yeah. you gotta go, ah, oh, that's interesting. There's some very good writing out there at a very low cost. D-Day Through German Eyes. You can find it on our Amazon store, amazon.toomuchscrolling.com. Brings us to our appetite, our app of the week. And this week, boy, we get, we get some of the, smartest people on the planet on this show this week we get to talk to professor jonathan chestnut he's at the department of performing and fine arts at fayetteville state university and he's a professor of computer graphics and animation good morning professor good morning. chestnut how y'all doing Oh, we are doing just fine. It is it is great to have you on again. We we had you on before, and here we we need to talk about some society things here today. That's what we need. We need more information. We have come to learn. We have come to learn. Tell us all about World of Warcraft, Professor Chestnut. Ooh, all right, not a little topic, huh? Yeah, uh, <laughs> just a oh, little topic. <laughs> Um, all right, well, first off, World of Warcraft, there's two groups. You have the Alliance and you have the Horde. Um, uh, the Horde represent what would be considered the evil races, and the Alliance represents the more classic fantasy positive races, humans, elves, gnomes, those guys. The Horde represent orcs and everything else. Okay, so uh -huh. this is a video game, first of all. This is not a bunch of people. This is not a bunch of orcs that we need to you know, segregate and put a wall up somewhere, right? Uh, no, we're not building any walls. Okay. Uh, but they, well, they have walls around them, so, you know, some parts of it. Uh, <laughs> this is a video game. They, when this started, this is a long-running video game now, right? Yeah. Um, the, first in, uh, the first incarnations of it were actually um, strategic battle where you would build, um, it was like SimCity. You would build, like, the little cities, and you would make people like wizards and, and fighters and everything else. And you would, um, you would do these modules where you would fight, uh, the orcs were settling and everything else. Um, sure. Uh, there was a game before world of Warcraft. There was actually a couple of them. There was Ultima online, which was a much, um, graphically less developed game, Okay. but it was with a bird's eye view where you were looking down at your character. Mm -hmm. uh, then it was followed by EverQuest, which was, uh, probably, at, at its incarnation, what really got um, World of Warcraft um, off of the ground. Uh, EverQuest was um, this, it was a not, you could do bird's eye view with your character, but most of the time people did first person view, so you were looking through the eyes of your character or directly behind your character. Um, and it's uh, basically a virtual world uh, of immense scale. I mean, it's, uh, World of Warcraft now has, I think, five different continents divided into uh, like ten zones each, wow. and you have thousands of players playing simultaneously. So this uh, is online now. The World of Warcraft took all of that online, so you're playing all at the same time. This is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Well, both Ultima and EverQuest were online games. Okay. And, okay. Um, but World of Warcraft um, was, at its time, was the most graphically um, nice. It was the most developed uh, game, and uh, it really launched into 
with when bandwidth really got available for more and more people. Okay. And EverQuest and Ultima were a little early in the bandwidth range. Okay. Um, only okay. areas of really um, developed internet usage had good bandwidth. Uh, but now, uh, the way our networks work and everybody has 4G or 5G or they're connected to the um, um, Google Fiber, whatever, we can you can play and your reaction time in these games is so much better. Uh, so you're able to play over a larger network and have more and more people. And, and for our, our listening, listeners, the first, what is the difference between, say, playing online in this world and then versus playing a role-playing game like Pathfinder, which we talked about before, or the old uh, Dungeons and Dragons? There's, there's real similarities. Okay. Except for um, the differences are, because, I mean, they're both fantasy worlds. They both have magic. They both have characters. You have levels. The more you play, the more levels you attain. Um, the those types of things. And the more abilities your character gets, the more opportunities. That kind of stuff. Um, the differences are Pathfinder tends to be more social in in the real world. Is okay. what we IRL in the real life. Um, and so you get into a room with people and you you um, do things. Um, you can do modules and adventures and you have a game master and um, it allows you to kind of determine the fate and direction of your own character. Um, whereas games like World of Warcraft, you have, um, we call it led by the nose gaming. Um, if you make a character and I make a character and we both make humans, um, no matter what, we're going to end up doing basically the same quest. Okay. Um, because, you know, they have, I mean, you're talking so much data and, um, you know, they try to lead people into certain paths. So um, there's other games like um, Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights, which are similar, but they're not online. Okay. Um, and no matter what, like in Neverwinter Nights, no matter what you make, if you make a good character, an evil character, you make an assassin, if you make a paladin, you end up somewhere along the lines, all the missions converge and become sort of one thing. So you don't really get to affect the storyline by your character's decisions. Okay. Do you prefer, do you prefer um, one version of this uh, or uh, one format to another? Do you prefer World of Warcraft to something like uh, a Pathfinder or the old Dungeons & Dragons? As, as far as prefer, I, I prefer tabletop games okay. uh, but the problem is is always getting we live in a world now where everybody has places to be and we have appointments and schedules and getting five or ten people in, a, in around the table for hours at a time when i was a teenager yeah no big deal i mean we had nowhere else to be um but now when i want to play my kids have homework my and my friends have kids and they have to be places and so um, things like World of Warcraft still allow us to do things together. Um, like uh, I belong to a, a group called the East Coast Raiders, and we're on the Lightbringer server. And uh, um, and I met all these people online. Uh, for the most part, I've known these people for over a decade of gaming, and I've never been in a room with them. But we have we put on our headphones and we fight the dragon and we and. So they're my friends, but it's just sort of a different kind of environment. So, sure, sure. Um, there's a way of being social, I guess. 
and and not really knowing the people, but not really knowing them. Yeah, and and people that play these kinds of games, a lot of times, um, if you go to conventions or if you um, you go to these things, there's a lot of people that have a lot of social anxiety. They don't feel really included in society. Okay. Um, and it's an opportunity for them to pe- meet people that feel the way they do and realize that they're not that different. Um, that they they are able to build a um, a social base among like-minded peers, and so that's what D and D did for us back in the day. You had to kind of carry your book around, waiting for someone to go, "Hey, you play Dungeons and Dragons," and like, yeah, and then you would start a group. Um, but World of Warcraft allows you to um, you hit the button, you log in, and there's uh, thousands of other people that think like you do running around, um, and you you coalesce into guilds which are groups of anywhere from, I think guilds had a maximum of like 200 members at one point, but I think there's more now. But, um, and that's, that's a group that of people that you get to know. I mean, I've got friends, like I said, that I've never met, but I've known them for a decade. I would trust them with my kids. How, how many years have you played World of Warcraft? Uh, it started, what, 2004? Blizzard launched the World of Warcraft in 2004. So yeah, it's been... 13 years have you been online playing for 13 years um i started playing in 2006 okay okay um Over about a decade. yeah um my uh when my youngest son, my oldest son was born my wife and i you know we were you know she was still in college and i was just um i was just getting hired here um so we didn't have a lot of free time free money um and, you know, we didn't – he was our first child, so, of course, we were terrified of babysitters and everything else. Sure. So it became a way for her and I to do things together. Um, so we both had accounts. My wife has, I think I, – I said something earlier that I have 10, but actually she has 10 level 100 characters, and I have nine. She was always wow. one. Um, and they were all uh, leveled – through normal progression. Uh, now they do this thing where you can buy like a level 90 character so that you can play the upper end stuff. Um, and, and originally um, it was pay to play all the time, but the way it's set up now, anybody can download world of Warcraft and play the first 20 levels for free. And so it gives you a sense of, of playing, but games like that though, you have to be a little mindful um, of the uh, addiction factor. Okay. Um, there's a, a sense of success that you get when, um, and you feel like you're doing something, you're accomplishing something, and it's a virtual accomplishment. And that's why, like, the first five or ten levels in the game happen really fast, and there's bright lights, and it's bing, you level, and there's all these colors and everything else. And you feel like you're doing something. Um, and what happens is, uh, with, like, my main character, one of the reasons why I stopped playing was... Um, we played so much, and I did the whole. I typed in uh, the little thing that tells you how long you played, how long you played this character, and I had literally 365 days of playing that character. Wow! So wow. one my life was involved with that character, and I started thinking about it, and I was like, um, "What? What does that do for me? Sure. What does it do for my kids? What does it do?" And so I, I kind of I enjoy World of Warcraft, but it's one of those things that it, it's 
It's all about moderation. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> is the is the game difficult to play? Um, no. I mean, it's one of those. Um, as soon as you log in, you play. You make your first character. Um, the what it does is you appear in this environment, and there'll be someone standing right there. They'll give you a mission, and that mission will teach you the first basic things about your character. And then you'll do some stuff for that person. They'll send you on a couple of little quests that get you moving along. Um, you gain a couple of levels, so you feel like you're doing something, you're accomplishing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, they'll send you to someone else, and they'll give you a couple quests. And and um, as you move forward, it expands more and more exponentially um, to where you at one level you're basically um, – like at a level 100, I have my own garrison. I have all these people that work for me. Um, they're basically little computer people that I can send on jobs. Um, and they make money and they make stuff for me and things like that. But, um, you know, you, you can start today and make and be level 10 by the end of in a couple hours. And, and, and so you, you said you played for a long period of time. Is level 100, does the game ever end at level 100? Well, at a level right now, they just updated it. They came out with a new one. Um, and it's a level, uh, they kicked that up to 110 is the new maximum. Okay. And what happens is at the max level, you have what's called uh, in-player content, which means it's focusing on the highest level people. So when I was level 100 and I was playing and my wife was level 100 and the cap was level 100, we would go on guild raids with our other guild members. They were all level 100. And there would be 20 or 30 of us, and we would go fight these world threats. Uh, giant, there was there was a giant crab, and there was a giant dragon. There was a couple of dragons, um, but they're they're called raids, and they okay. can take hours. And um, we schedule them, and we'd be like, okay, um, my guild was my guild raided on Friday nights, and we would start at seven o'clock, and um, we would go. Until the little and the little quotes around until, uh, and it was usually two or three in the morning when we would stop. Wow! And uh, and then they and and so you know you we put a lot of hours in and but there's there's always something and so long as people are playing they're going to keep expanding it and because years ago they talked about oh well they're going to end World of Warcraft and they're going to bring out something new. Um, and that probably will happen at some point. Something will um, circumvent it. There's a new game called um, Black Desert, which just came out of South Korea. Okay. And graphically, it is amazing. It looks like you're watching an anime cartoon, but it's your characters. It's not. It's not nearly as choppy or bulky as American uh, animation. Um, but it's way complex, and there's some translation issues where they translate it directly. So they say things, and it doesn't really make sense because of the way that the sentence structure is and stuff. But, is, but there's all something. Is Warcraft still as popular as it was? Is it is it waning? Is it still growing? Um, I think it's leveled off. It, okay. It, waned, um, it like anything, um, you know, whenever you're whenever there's a game new content comes out, all the old players come back. Okay. Um, my wife, you know, she, like I said, she's teaching this year um, public school, so she can't stay up late and uh, play. But she keeps threatening me to, um, she's going to get back on because she wants to make up that gap, knowing that there's 
10 levels of stuff she hasn't done yet is driving her crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there is, when I say that you said it properly, an addictive um, par- uh, part of this. It gives you pleasure to do this, but it also takes up time. So that ability to kind balance. of balance. Oh, as as with everything, the yin and the yang. That's right. <laughs> did you see the Warcraft movie last summer? I did. I saw the movie. Um, I did. So I, I did make it through that. Yes, <laughs> make it through that. You you sound a, a lot like review. Chip. Hey, I made it through that. I'm glad that I went through it. I made it through. Could you? Uh, yeah, it was one of those things that when they said they were doing it, it was like, oh please, no. Um, it's like years ago there were the Dungeons and Dragons movies, and um, the first one was okay, and then the four that followed it were just train wrecks. <laughs> and like, World of Warcraft, the fact that they had the guy from Viking in it was like, oh, <laughs> he was going to be so tough. And then it was, oh, no. So, I don't know. It was a little too Avatar for my taste. but yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it does remind me a little bit of Avatar. You're right, that you are pretending to be these people. You are sure. living this second life. That, that's a different game. But you are experiencing life from the eyes of somebody else. That's a that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, it's, it's escapism is what it is. It really boils down to that as far as um, no matter how, how bad your day is, if um, – you know, if I had a bad day at school and my students gave me grief or whatever, I could go home and kill a bunch of orcs and feel good about <laughs> Great. Death makes you feel good. Um, the, the, the beauty of this, as you described it, was you were new parents. You had something you could do together. Mm-hmm. And um, as all new parents do, you, you find out you have a um, large body of time available between uh, feedings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. It gave my wife something I had to talk about. Because, um, you know, we talk about the kids so much, but after a while she was like, you know, we would watch TV, but eventually we wanted something where we were engaged and doing something, and that really filled our time. I mean, we, we ran around together, and we did that for a decade. Had oh, adventures. That's fantastic. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Professor, for joining us and talking about this this whole other world that I know very little about. Is there a way that our listeners can contact you and ask you questions about all this stuff and all the things that you're doing at Fayetteville State University? Absolutely. Um, my email here is jchestnut, C-H-E-S-T-N-U-T, at uncfsu.edu. Um, and I, I welcome any questions, comments. Um, you know, if if people are interested in it, I can point them in the direction of where to play and where to find stuff. I'm yeah. always to help. And of course, there is the Faithful State University Geek Talk podcast that you can find out or you can listen to them uh, talk about this subject and more. Uh, in addition to that, we'll have everything in our, our notes so that you can you can easily click in to to be able to to learn more. Very good. Thank you again, Professor Chestnut. Anytime. Brings us to our now the news. It's summer. Drinking is a part of it, and Zima is going to be a part of your summer. I know, and most people don't remember Zima, except for maybe, well, maybe they do. All right, so let me describe Zima. So I was uh, finishing up college. Zima was part of the, the clear um, trend. You, I don't know if you remember Crystal Pepsi. Yeah. All right, and then for Richmond, Virginia, we actually had uh, Miller Beer. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, had Clear Beer, okay, which was oh, they were one of the test markets for that. I think right. I, I think so. I actually have a bottle of that still left. Really? Yeah, and it really was clear. So the idea, I guess, was uh, clear means better, right? Clear is clean somehow. So you have to. Here you go. Here's a beer. All right, but Zima was a malt liquor that was a sweet malt liquor. Okay. The charge against it at the time was taking a higher alcohol. Beer or beer with more alcohol, and then making it taste like a soft drink, which seems seems dangerous. Well, let's just say that Zima uh, was never had the most masculine um, reputation out there. And okay. In fact, I remember going out and we'd order beers for everybody, and of course, you would turn around and hand one guy the Zima because you know you just had to you just had to be to, a jerk. You just had to do it, and okay. uh, and then you, then the, uh, the guy with the Zima, of course, would have to drink it as manly as he could. I mean, it's just kind of fun. And, and the other uh, joke about it was to carry around a, a bag of Jolly Ranchers so you could drop one in there because it would be equally. It would just add to the flavor. It just make it as pretentious as possible. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Zima is one of those beers that will always have a uh, a fun reputation. Okay. And um, it is not being made anymore. They stopped making it uh, four or five years ago. But it's coming back. Well, as a test. Now, this was Zima was made by Coors, and Miller owns Coors. So okay. Chicago, um, Miller's based here. Uh-huh. Uh, they are going to bring back. My, my sister-in-law saw the ad in the store. In the store. In the store. In June, there's going to be a Zima. So well, here we the, are. It's so, June. So the deal is to Let's go, go to your Zima. local store. Bring some Jolly Ranchers. You have to buy a, buy a whole bag of Jolly Ranchers. And your manliest friends. That's right. And get, go ahead and get a case of Zima and have a party because it is, um, like I said, it, it, the joy of this will, will be very quick. I'm sure this is a limited run. But still, it's a lot of fun to go back and, and re, um, revisit some of the weird things in the past. Weird things of the 90s. I'll take weird things from the 90s for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> Zima. Go have yourself a Zima. And yeah, maybe maybe have Crystal you- Pepsi. Crystal, well, they had Crystal Pepsi. Yeah, a couple weeks, a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, listen I, to the Spice Girls. <laughs> watch Twin Peaks, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Steve's youth is coming back. <laughs> the nineties is not my youth. <laughs> that is not. That is not valid. <laughs> it's adult youth. <laughs> oh, it's my adult youth when I was in college. All right, I'll I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think, Chip? Only if we can come back next week. <laughs> I think we can. If you need more information, give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is TooMuchScrolling.com. Our email is TooMuchScrolling at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And every day of the week, you can go to our news site, news.TooMuchScrolling.com. Come find all the news that you need. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Zima drinking Chip Essence. Here's some Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> See you in the future. I want to talk about what I want to talk about.